It's Thursday, August 27th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today from the Great White North, it's Jim Gillies. Good to see you, my friend. Good to be seen, Chris. Thank you. We have got the high and the low end of retail. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk banks. We're going to start today with Abbott Labs because the FDA has approved Abbott Labs rapid COVID-19 test. It is a portable test. It costs $5. You get the results in 15 minutes. This is not a home kit. This is one that does need to be administered by a medical professional. But the enthusiasm is apparent. Shares of Abbott Labs up 7% and hitting a new all-time high. Well, well, yes, and the the follow-on to that, Chris, is not only is Abbott up, but companies in the COVID testing space, uh, one being uh, I follow Fulgent Genetics, um, they are getting taken behind the woodshed. I believe Fulgent, last I looked, was down about 30% because apparently uh, Abbott's Test, as you mentioned here, again, $5 a person, you get your results in 15 minutes. Uh, there's a complimentary mobile app that is being made available for iPhone and, and uh, um, Android, of course, at no charge. It's going to let people who, have, uh, who are tested negative um, are going to display a, a, a temporary digital health pass. So they'll be able to, you know, kind of have a clean slate, if you will. Um, th- this is certainly perceived as a game changer by investors in other companies. Uh, because Fulgent does genetic testing, and 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 they have they they've had a lot of success recently in their stock price, at least because of COVID testing. Um, and yeah, game changer. Yes, uh, I can tell you, my my partner, for example, um, was uh, sick about a month, month and a half ago. Went for a test, and basically we had to go to a walk-in testing center. Only took about twenty minutes, but she then got to spend three days in you know in the master bedroom, master master suite alone. And isolated from everyone. Well, the dog was there to keep her happy. Um, but you know, because that's how long it took to get things. So 15 minutes. This is this is yeah. If if, if this works, and certainly the numbers, it is being fast tracked. But certainly the initial numbers uh, certainly look promising. And in in the absence of uh, the proverbial vaccine that will you know set all of life back to normal, which I I'm a little skeptical of, um, but uh, in the absence of vaccines, these types of solutions, these types of rapid testing, um, you know, these are probably the best um, the best chance at you know returning to some semblance of a new normal. Uh, so uh, good on Abbott, and uh, unfortunate if you've been anywhere else in the space. I'm guessing. Obviously, we're all hoping for a vaccine, but you're absolutely right yes. that rapid testing is the first and most important step to, I, I don't want to say getting back to normal, because I don't think we're ever going to get back to normal, but getting back to new normal, get, yeah. get, getting closer, getting a lot closer. And I think that, as you said, the speed, um, Abbott's reputation. Uh, I, am I wrong to be surprised by the, by the drop uh, in fulgent genetic stock price? I, I guess I never... In the same way that people much smarter than me have talked about the vaccine and have said things like, look, we're going to need a bunch of different companies producing the vaccine. So don't look for one, you know, because everyone, 
from an investing standpoint, it's natural to ask, well, who's going to produce the vaccine? I want to invest in them. It's like, look, we're going to need a lot of companies to produce this vaccine. I just assume the same, uh, it was the same case for testing as well. The, the, The pairs trade that is happening today with the rise in Abbott Labs hitting a new high and Fulgent Genetics shares falling through the floor seems to indicate that rapid testing is a zero sum game. I never thought of it that way. Well, I mean, uh, uh, Fulgen, I mean, they, and, and there's not Fulgen I'm using as an example because I'm reasonably familiar with them. Um, we recommended them in Canada, a couple of the Canadian services, closer to the $20 level. So we're still up, but today kind of hurts. Um, it, it, it's the game changer here is I can have results from the Abbott test in theory. I can have it in 15 minutes. You know, I can have it on a coffee break. And with Fulgent, you still had to send it in and they were doing the test. We, we liked Fulgent as a business before COVID. We liked it before this. We liked it just for their genetic testing business. And then when, when COVID comes along and the stock skyrockets, I mean, this is a bonus. But, you know, that, that was never the investing thesis. But, you know, for us in, in the high teens, uh, for people coming to it, I'm guessing, in the 40s, that was the investing thesis. And Abbott has come out with a better mousetrap. And so, you know, where you talk about the vaccine, yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's going to be, uh, there's all kinds of candidates out there currently under testing. Um, some will work better than others. Some will be, and, and I also think uh, anybody who comes up with the, with the successful vaccine, they're not going to make any money at it because, you know, I mean, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of pressure to get this out and get it uh, for the good of humanity kind of thing. So, um I'm not sure chasing who is going to provide you the vaccine is really a great investing play, even if you could identify it. Let's move on to retail. And we've, from a consumer standpoint, I think we have both ends of the spectrum. We do. With second quarter reports from Dollar General and Tiffany. And uh, (laughs) you can see it in the... Look, there are always a lot of metrics to look at, but if you're just going to look at same-store sales, same-store sales for Tiffany, um, their second quarter down close to 25%. Dollar General, I think, was up in the neighborhood of of 10%. 19. Um, What's that? uh, They were up 18.8. Oh, like, thank you, thank you for do, for paying closer attention to these numbers than I did. <laughs> um, and you know, and if all you were doing was just looking at like, well, what are these stocks doing today? Tiffany's up a little bit. Dollar General is is flat to down uh, ever so slightly. Uh, that is not an indication of of sort of how these businesses have been doing uh, in 2020 and over the past year. No, I mean, I, I I found this. These were two separate headlines this morning, and I found the. I found this divergent fascinating before the market opened. And I find it equally fascinating now that Tiffany is up and Dollar General is kind of sliding sideways. Um, yeah, so Tiffany, uh, the uh, the same store sales there were negative 24%. But but the, the key part was analysts had forecasts that they would be negative. Analysts correctly said, you know, pandemic, bad economy, people losing their jobs, people scared about the future, people scared about money. Probably not beating a path to Tiffany's door to buy, you know, the five hundred dollar, you know, stainless steel uh, baby rattle. Um, that's a real. That's a real product. By I the know way. that's a real uh, product. <laughs> <laughs> um, or teething ring or whatever. Yes, yeah, so my my ex spouse may have bought one of those. Um, but the 
the expectations that analysts had for for same store sales were were down 17% and tiffany managed to you know blow past that by by a third down negative 24% their revenue missed analyst ex- expected consensus and again it's important to note analysts had already dropped their 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 expectations a number of times tiffany missed that earnings were i think flat roughly uh, with what they expected. At the other end, there's Dollar General. Analysts expected I think 14, 13%. They came in nearly 19%, as I said. They blew away the already raised expectations for earnings and for revenues. And again, what pe- people during this, this difficult time are flocking for like basics and necessities to, to, to places like Dollar General. They're ignoring Tiffany. One company blows the door off uh, on already higher expectations. The other one misses badly on already lowered expectations. And that, I mean, if there's a better depiction of what's going on in the retail space, I'm not sure we could have had a better example today. And yet we have this strange market reaction, um, which uh, which I'm like, uh, like... I think it, you, we talked earlier about you know the, the concept of the new normal or getting back to normal. I'm not sure that you know that the the uh, surge in the results for Dollar General or places like Walmart or places like Home Depot, both of which as well, when they reported, did far better than expectations, and the stocks were meh. I don't think we're going to abandon those names, the value names, anytime soon regardless of how the new normal looks. So I'm, 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 I think this is a really interesting case study and I'm a little shocked to see how it's playing out. So the business epiphany of the week for me last week was coming to the realization that Target's market cap was less than $80 billion. I, re- yeah. I don't know what number I had in my head, but I know it was, it was triple digits. And Looking at all of the moves the Target has made, I don't own shares of Target, but it is now on absolutely on my watch list just because I think Brian Cornell and his team have done a great job. And just from a size standpoint, I think they have a lot of room to run. To your point, Dollar General is only a $50 billion company. Yeah. And uh, Emily Flippin pointed this out the other day. We're, we're, we're living in a world where Apple is over $2 trillion, we're going to have other companies go over $2 trillion. Companies are going to get bigger. That's just how it's going to be. So, yeah, I, I, I look at the way Dollar General is performing. And to your point, maybe there is a point in the future, in 2021, 2022, or beyond, when Tiffany has some blowout quarter because people are celebrating People, you know, the return to the new normal. Um, maybe that quarter is coming for them some somewhere down the line. But until then, uh, the the move to good basic value when it comes to products and uh, things you want in your home, I think that's going to continue for the targets and the dollar generals of the world. Yeah, two votes, absolutely. Quick programming note: this weekend on Motley Fool Money, Matt Argersinger. 
is our guest. He's the lead advisor of uh, Million Acres, which is the Motley Fool's real estate investing service. Had a great conversation with him the other day. A lot of... <laughs> A lot of interesting things happening in commercial real estate right now, to say the least. So, um, so check that out this weekend. Uh, before we go, uh, wanted to just chat briefly about the big banks in Canada. Um, you and I were going back and forth a little bit this morning. Uh, they've all reported. Um, how did they do as a group? Because in the past, when you and I have talked about, you know, Scotia Bank and others. Um, you've laid out a, a, a pretty good case for them, I think, in ter- particularly relative to the big banks in America, which have the whole investment side. Uh, it just seems like the Canadian big banks are a little bit clearer in terms of being able to understand them. Right. And, and these are kind of your classic widows and orphan stocks. You know, that's how they're perceived here in Canada. They've all got their fingers in all of you, the standard pies. You know, there's the typical banking and what we think of as typical banking and there's mortgage lending and there's uh, all of the, uh, there's the insurance operations and, and, and there are investment arms. You know, they've all got, most of them have small, um, small investment bank exposure, nothing compared to what the U.S. has. Uh, but there's also a lot of, uh, you know, investing arms in terms of, you know, hey, we'll sell you our mutual funds kind of thing. Um, but what's interesting about the Canadian banks, and we saw this in 2008, okay, where uh, as the financial crisis spiraled around, there was this, uh, you know, oh, of course, and all kinds of banks in the U.S., uh, much smaller banks, of course, went insolvent. Uh, all kinds of banks in the U.S. Um, cut their dividends uh, to sometimes sharply and uh, the U- the canadian banks all got sold off on the same thesis that this is going to happen to us and 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 some of us uh, voices in the wilderness from time to time were saying no 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 you, you don't understand how canadian banks are treated here they they're classic widows and orphans they tend to be very conservative with what they do uh and so Yes, the market value is down. You had some, uh, you know, incredible yields on their dividend, but we're like, look, they're not going to, they're not going to cut their dividends. They'll raise capital to support their dividends. They'll be fine. And that thesis was borne out in a, at a time that I think was worse than we have now. And but the, earlier this year, so flash forward to 2020, we started seeing the same things we heard back in 2008, 2009, which was. Uh, this is this is bad. They're going to cut their dividends. Some of them are going to go insolvent. Uh, you could find a couple of well-known short sellers out there who have a very negative view on the Canadian banks. Um, and 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 again, I, I was kind of saying the exact same thing. Even as we had a couple days in March where these big widows and orphans t- style stayed companies were down 10 and 11 and 12 percent in a day, which is you know a little bit rough if most of your kids uh, education plan is invested in them um but you know it was this, it's the same st- deal they they're going to protect their dividends they are going to get through this and so what we've seen now this is uh, this is probably um it's the second technically the second earnings report we've seen during the COVID era but it you know practically to a company they've all said yeah this is as bad as it's going to get our loan loss provisions we've peaked we're now on the way down um they all practically except for scotia bank which perennially seems to be a little bit off step um but they've all basically come they basically basically beat lowered expectations but they still were strong they've all said basically 
were kind of done with the elevated loan loss provisions. They all made up a lot of the lowered business on one side with uh, capital markets activity, trading activity, some deal making, um, and, and they're coming through pretty good. Now, they've recovered somewhat from their March lows. But even today, if you, if you, if you go with as the, the standard big five, so it's uh, Bank of Montreal, Bank of Nova Scotia, uh, CIBC, Royal Bank, and Toronto Dominion, or TD, uh, all of which, uh, except for B, uh, Bank of Nova Scotia, also have U.S. operations, and they're all traded on the U.S. as well. Um, the average dividend yield today of these is 5.2%. There, there's a sixth bank called National Bank, which would like to be one of the big six, but eh, we call it big five. They're, um, they're, they're not going to let them in the club? They're still small. They tend to be fairly regional in Quebec. Um, they're, they're, they're a good company. I, I own shares myself, but you know they, 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 they're kind of the pretender to the throne, but uh, they'd like to be among the big six. But for now, we tend to call it the big five. The big five are averaging today a dividend yield of 5.2%. Uh, importantly, none of them has cut their dividends. None of them has raised their dividends. I wouldn't be shocked to see a raise in the back half of 2021, say. They're going to start raising their dividends again. But right now, average yield 5.2%. Uh, the average price to book is about 1.3 for the big five. Uh, and the average forward earnings multiple is about 10.5. So these are all traditionally, these are these are good numbers to start positions in these banks. And as I said, they're, you, you're not going to get a multi-bagger on this unless you live a long time. But you're going to get a solid performer dividend plus, you know, five to ten percent capital appreciation probably annually. And I was just going to say, for anyone who owns a ten-year Treasury note, <laughs> uh, what can I interest you in a dividend of five point two percent? I mean that that yeah. that alone yeah. is, you know, as you said, look, these are not going to be multi-baggers, but. Holy cow! For anyone who's like, I'm thinking about uh, putting five percent into bonds. Yeah, okay, no. you can do that. Can I interest you in some Canadian banks? Well, and, and and there's even vehicles out there, Chris. There are ETFs which you know hold a basket of these. You know, so if you don't want to replicate it yourself and buy all five or all six, um, you know, you can buy an ETF that already has this, and and the dividends basically pass through. Now you're going to pay a, a fee for an ETF, of course. So, so maybe it's a good idea to to buy these a basket of these on your own. But I mean, like the point is, yeah, there in, in a world if you have a portion of your portfolio that you're looking to to use and gain yield, historically these are a great place to start. Jim Gillies, always good talking to you. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.